I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. What is up, Rush Nation? Welcome into another week of the Monday Night Takeover. This week, we have got a, a triple threat. It is me, Ash, as always, and I am joined by Rich. How's it going? Very well. And we are also joined by Lee, who's returned from Miami. Hello, Lee. How you doing? Very, very well, thank you. So, as always, we're going to do a quick rundown of the Sunday night games. Uh, there was some thrilling games this week and some not-so-thrilling games. And I reckon we will start with probably the least entertaining of them all and get out of the way. So, over to you, Lee. All right, so I've got um, San Francisco and Washington. and The story of this game is basically the weather. It was an absolute bog. It just rained the whole time, and there was plenty of people sliding around. You will see plenty of funny clips of this over the next few days on Twitter. This is this is that sort of game. It finished nine nothing to the to the 49ers. As I read just before we came on here, um, Washington actually covered the spread without without scoring a point. So you know, pretty successful day, I suppose. But um, yeah, other than that, it, it was tough tough sledding for both sides. Um, Stat-wise, Jimmy Garoppolo was 12 of 21 for 151 yards and no touchdowns. Tevin Coleman led the way on the ground with 62 yards with a long of nine. I mean, it's just indicative of the conditions here. 
and receiving the same. Bourne led the way with um, three receptions on four targets for 69 yards. I'd say there's not much to to really assess on the players. It's a tough day. I think they did well to, you know, the, the Niners would be relieved to come out of it with a win. That's the sort of game that they could go against, a, you know, a very good side um, in, in terrible conditions. Um, from Washington's point of view, Adrian Peterson had 81 yards on the ground. Case Keenum was 9 of 12 for 77 yards um, with no touchdowns and no interceptions and a passer rate of 91.3. Do we think that San Francisco are legitimate contenders, playoff contenders? One, one, arguably one or two tough games so far on their schedule? Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. I think the, the, the biggest thing for me is the, the, the their defence seems like it's been put together pretty quick. Um, you know, Bosa seems like he's pretty legit. Sherman seems to have somehow rolled back some of the years. I don't know how he's managed it, but for me, the big the biggest takeaway I've got for the 49ers uh, in this game was the return of uh, Joe Staley, their left tackle. That's huge for them. Yeah, definitely. So, so I think, yeah, um, I, I think it, it's, it's one of those games that, yeah, it wasn't that entertaining to watch because of the weather, but there's not much you can do about that. No, no, I agree. There's there's not really much to take away apart from the fact that the Niners are 6-0 six, six and oh and coasting at the minute. I think they're just happy to get out of this game with, with the win. You know, they're, they're obviously the better side. And I think that's really really much of a, a discussion in this game. So, you know, I think they're just happy to get out of it with a win and move on to next week. Yeah, definitely. And, and on that note, we will move on to the next game, which is uh, the Cardinals at the Giants. Uh, Cardinals won this one out 27 to 21. Um, not the, the best offensive display by most of the Cardinals. Uh, Murray had a relatively quiet game, to be fair. 14 completions, 104 yards. Uh, didn't score a touchdown. Um, didn't turn the ball over through the air. Uh, and he also had 28 rushing, uh, sorry, 10 rushing attempts for 28 yards. Um, probably the standout of the day was Chase Edmonds. Um, he had 27 rushing attempts and 126 yards for three touchdowns on the ground. Uh, that was largely in part to David Johnson. He did start the game. Um, but he actually only played 5% of snaps before he was benched. Um, he's got a few few different injuries at the moment. I believe it's a back and an ankle injury. Um, I was quite surprised with how well Edmonds performed. I know it was only against the Giants' defence, but um, for, for him to come in and be able to do that um, was one of the sort of key factors behind the Cardinals winning. Uh, that and their defense was was remarkably impressive, um, considering how they've played for most of the season. Uh, Patrick Peterson has obviously returned from his suspension, um, and he was probably their standout player on on defense. Him and Chandler Jones, um, but yeah, that, I mean, it's another another game that the Cardinals have managed to win out. That's three on the bounce now, rather surprisingly. Um, again, they're only playing what's been put in front of them. They've had a an easier schedule than uh, than some teams, so it's difficult to take a lot away from them. I, I don't think they're anywhere near ready, in my opinion. Do they show you enough to give you confidence that they're heading in the right direction, though, under a new new coach and new quarterback? I believe so. Yeah, I think I think Kingsbury and Murray are both trying to still find their way. Um, uh, One's a rookie quarterback and the other's a rookie NFL coach. They're gonna, they're gonna have 
make mistakes. They're going to have games where they are not going to look very good. And then they're going to have games where they do go off and surprise people. But I wouldn't be, I'm not worried um, from a, from a long-term point of view. I think once they are, once the offense starts sort of getting used to the, to this scheme, uh, it is, it's quite a different scheme than many people, many NFL teams are, have seen before. I think I think they'll they'll do okay. I don't see them lighting the world alight for, for any any time soon. It will it all rests on Murray largely if he can uh, become the player that some scouts and um, people saw before the start of the season. Then then maybe, but I think they'll be a middle of the road team for most of the the next few years at least. Yeah, so I'd I'd kind of. Um... I'd kind of agree with that. I think it might be a middle of the road team, but I think I, I actually think this team could turn around pretty quick because while you say it's not an NFL um, ready, it's not like an NFL, a typical NFL offense. It's it's quite a typical college offense. So all of the guys that are going to be picking up in the draft are going to be really comfortable playing in this kind of scheme. So I think if they continue getting, you know, decent half decent rookie picks and. Um, able to actually pick up some talented players, I think the the offense could turn around quickly. Um my biggest concern is that defense is still just not very good. I mean um Evan Ingram, you know, he was suffering with injuries in the week and that kind of spilled into this game. Um which is one of the reasons why Golden Tate had such a good game. Um because he feels like that same kind of area of the field. But um the Cardinals have given up a touchdown to tight ends in every single game bar two. And one of those was because uh, Tyler Eifert inexplicably forgot how to catch. So this is still not a great defensive unit. And that's, that's my biggest concern for them going forwards. Yeah, I agree. And they've shown up up until this game, they they've been pretty poor on, on defense. This is the, the first game they've, they've put something together and, it was against the Giants, and speaking of the Giants, obviously Daniel Jones' day was was not great again yesterday. Um, two hundred twenty-three yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. He fumbled the ball three times um, in this game. Uh, Murph put a, a stat up, I believe it was Murph earlier today. Um, in the, his five starts, he's seven interceptions and five fumbles. I mean, he's had a couple of good games, but. Do we think it's too, it's, it was too early to put him in? Um, I don't think it's too early to put him in. I think New York kind of had had to put him in because they need to kind of see what they what they're going to do with Eli. Um, I just think I just think his point cast is just not great. That's <laughs> that's that's the issue. He's got no no guys that you can pass to. Like we're looking at the same kind of thing in Miami with Josh Rosen. Like, is he a good quarterback or not? Honestly, I, I could see him going to the Patriots and then just ending, you know, winning the next 11 Super Bowls because I don't actually think that we've actually been able to evaluate his talent because he's just been put in a, he was a bad situation in Arizona and now a bad situation in Miami. Um, and I think it's going to be a similar kind of thing. Like, I'm not sure on Daniel Jones. Well, I'm not ready to conclude on Daniel Jones because I just don't know if it's him or the situation. No, I agree. I think he, he has the talent and, and he's shown that in times at college and he has shown it in a couple of games. I think he's he's had a he's had a, a bit a couple of tough landings now because obviously he didn't have the best supporting cast at Duke. Um but and it's the same again really 
this year for the Giants. Um, one positive for them is obviously Saquon Barkley returned um, rather quickly as well. He was only actually out for three games when I think he was expected to miss what is it, uh, uh, anything up to six to eight weeks. So he sort of returned in, in very good time in typical Barkley. Um, he had a he had a good day on his return. 18 attempts on the ground and 72 yards and one touchdown. Um, they're going to ride him as much as possible. Um, but he's the sort of player that, at least for the short term, is going to be able to handle that sort of workload. I think sort of apart from that, there's not a great deal again that you can really take away from the Giants. They're a team that are in sort of attempting to go through a transition. Um, I'm not overly sold on their head coach. Obviously, we've heard many a times about their um, front staff, their um, general manager. There's a lot of stuff that needs to change, but I mean, they're not in the worst position in the world, they're, but they're a, a sort of a lower tier NFL team at this very moment in time. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, on that, we will move on to the next game, which is over to Rich for the Raiders versus Packers. I mean, as a Packers fan, it's probably like just the best game of the week. Um, this game seemed like they finally kind of unshackled Aaron Rodgers and realised that actually you've got an, a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback here. Yeah, it's kind of in previous games they've not asked him to do anything, and they've just rushed, 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 rushed. Um, but in this game, they kind of entrusted him and they trusted his arm, which I was kind of surprised about, given the fact that the Packers. You know, it's, it seemed at one point that if you took your boots, that you would probably be in for a call-up um, with Devontae Adams missing the game, Geronimo Allison looking like he was going to miss at the start of the week. Um, I think biggest takeaway for me is that the Raiders are definitely committed to running the ball, um, even in this game where they kind of trailed early on. They still gave Josh Jacobs 21 carries. Um which he took for 124 yards. Now, the Packers are actually one of the worst teams at defending uh, running backs. It's just that we've not actually seen a big game from a running back yet because a lot of the teams that they faced um, operate committee running backs. So I think this is probably a trend that you'll see with any workhorse that kind of goes against this unit. Uh, The pass rush is a lot better, but the the ability to stop the run isn't. Um, Finishing up on the Raiders' side of the ball, Darren Waller, just went to show again that um, in the in the landscape of tight ends, he is effectively a demigod. Um, finishing the game with seven receptions, 128 targets, and two touchdowns, and he actually led the team in in targets. Actually, had the highest target count of the game with eight targets, which I think goes to show that both of these offenses ended up just moving the ball around to different receiving options. Um, the Packers side of the ball, Jamal Williams continues to just obliterate the fantasy value that Aaron Jones will have. Um, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a blitz of a run for a long touchdown. Uh, only three targets on the game, though, which is something to watch out for. He's he's not really had that many targets in the games that Devontae Adams has missed. So if he's in your roster, then just be aware that he's kind of one of those boom or bust guys. Yeah, outside of that, I don't really think there's... Um, I think I kind of covered it all, but have you guys got any uh, kind of like takeaways that you've got? No, I agree with you on the Aaron Jones um, front. Again, it's, it's another game where, like you say, Jamal Williams has 
sort of eat him into his fantasy value. And it's it's a shame because he is, in my opinion, the clearly the superior talent between the two of them. But at the same time, I do get from a NFL standpoint why um, Lafleur has done this because obviously Jones has been injured in the past. Um, he doesn't want to lose him for any period of time. So he's not going to give him the full workload. I mean, he's still got 12 carries on the day, so there's nothing to scoff about. But obviously, Jamal's always going to be there in the in the back of people's minds and is potentially going to take away some of that fantasy value from him in, in certain weeks. Um, yeah, I think that's the biggest issue is that it's going to be... Um, Jamal Williams seems to be the back they go to when they want to run hurry-up offense. Um, that seems that was a kind of a trend at the start of the season. It seems to like be continuing even with uh, Jamal Williams returning from his injury. Um, it was good to see Aaron Jones catch that receiving touchdown because it kind of rescued his fantasy day. But yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think the uh, the receiving side of the game is uh, is an interesting one without without obviously Devontae Adams in there. It's it's plain to see that. Um, Rogers doesn't have a preferred target when when Adams isn't there. I mean, what was it? Nine, eight or nine different um, people we threw to on the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it started. They they clearly shuffled that third receiver up between Jake Kimrow, Alan Lazard, and uh, Danny Vital, who's the fullback, got a couple of catches as well. Um, only thing I would say actually, which if, if you're looking at if he's available in your league, John or Allison. Uh, nearly caught a touchdown. Uh, well, he did actually catch it, but um, got called back. So that's something to bear in mind that he he would have he would have finished the game with six targets for. I think it probably would have been about sixty yards and a touchdown if that play hadn't been called back. So that's something to bear in mind that actually Dron Allison seemed like he had a decent game in the slot. So okay, excellent. I think uh, as well, it, it's good to see Rogers, like you say, finally unleashed. But it's something we need to take into consideration when we look at um, teams like Arizona and stuff. Even with a Hall of Fame quarterback, there's still that period of time at the beginning of the season where it takes a new head coach and a quarterback to get on that same page and get everything down to where they feel that comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the issue is like the. It's almost as though the running game was too effective. Um, like against the Dallas Cowboys, Aaron Rodgers didn't need to do anything. Like he, They could have literally just put a back up on the field. It wouldn't have mattered. They were just running the ball. Uh, I think that was, that's kind of been, that was kind of the detriment at the start of the season. Uh, I think uh, that obviously Aaron Rodgers is getting more comfortable with the playbook as well. But I think the biggest consideration is the fact that the, the running game wasn't as effective in this game. No, definitely. Okie dokie. Um, well, we'll go over to Indy now, where the Texans were in town, and uh, over to you, Lee. Yeah, so this this is a tight game. It's a game that, to be honest, I'm going to go back and watch in its entirety during the week because it was close. It's for the division, and like the the rematch on the 22nd of November will be a big one. I think you know that a lot could rest on that game because the Colts are playing good football. The Texans are a good team. They're spreading the ball around well. I mean, Deshaun Watson was 23 of 34 for 308 yards on the day with a touchdown and two interceptions. But the receivers, I mean, you've got DeAndre Hopkins had 106 yards and a touchdown, and Kenny Stills had 105 yards. You know, they're getting 
you know, plenty of yardage. They were driving late in this game. Um, it finished, sorry, I should say the score, 23-30 to 30 with the Colts winning. But the Texans were driving late before a really great interception by Darius Leonard, who was returning um, after missing time since week two with a concussion um, that, that iced the game for the Colts. The, the Texans were driving. They, they looked like they had enough momentum. They were playing well. But say Darius Leonard just came up with a special play. It's kind of on a tip part on a, a it was tipped by the receiver and Leonard caught it. But if you get a chance to see the play, it's you know, he just needs applauding for it. And they're gonna they're gonna be so pleased to have him back. As long as it, you know, touch with the the concussions isn't a isn't a problem for him. Things should be good. The Colts side of the ball, Jacoby Brissett is doing a superb job. He was 26 of 39 on the day, 200, sorry, 326 yards and four touchdowns. But again, spread the ball around well in the air. Pascal was 106 yards, two touchdowns, 74 yards for T.Y. Hilton. And Eric Ebron had 70 yards as well and a touchdown. So, you know, it's just a good, good spread there, getting the ball out and getting it around for everybody. Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, again to to go to a to a running back, Marlon Mack. Um, another unproductive day from a fantasy point of view. Now, obviously, against this Texans defense, it's always going to be a struggle for for running backs. But we've seen him light up, and then obviously we see games like today, uh, yesterday. It's the inconsistency that hurts you. you. You almost you don't you don't mind knowing if a player is you know, not a star running back, but you just want him to be consistent every week. I mean, he, he finished with 18 carries for 44 yards and 2.4 yards a carry. You know, like you say, a pretty below-par day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the uh, the other frustrating element from um, the Colts is obviously the uh, the receiving. I mean, who would have thought with Hilton back? I mean, he's probably, he may still be carrying a slight knock, but Pascal obviously seeing the day of 106 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, Hilton owners, they'll be happy because he got the touchdown and he got 74 yards, but you've always got to be a little bit frustrated when you see uh, when you see that 100, over 100 yard game from uh, from what is the second second wide receiver, is he at the moment? Pascal? Yeah. Yeah, certainly in this game. I, I think Pascal's going to be one of those guys, if I've got an early waiver wire, I'm going to pick him up and I'm going to trade him to someone who's going to buy into the fact that he's just going to get this every week. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think it's uh, it's a couple of weeks now that he's he's shown good games. Um, and you're right, you can take advantage of certain owners that may not necessarily focus on it as much as as much as others um, and will buy into the short term. And, and that's all it is. That we, It's not someone that you can rely on at all really I mean if you're desperate you chuck him in your lineup. but yeah you can you can definitely take advantage of the value that he's holding at the moment <clears throat> I think the only other the only other thing I have on the game is obviously it's nice to see that Hopkins had a good day uh, a lot of owners will be frustra- have been frustrated with him the last few weeks um, so it was, it was a good good to see him obviously get the touchdown and over 100 yards um, that's the sort of performance that you expect to see from him and I think uh, you mentioned about the the, the Leonard um, interception. I think the stiff arm on uh, still sums sum that play up completely, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, knocked him on his butt. A- absolutely flattened him. 
it's fantastic. Interesting thing that's just come through my phone as we're talking about the Texans. They have just traded for um, Conley from the Raiders, the cornerback, for a third-round pick. Okay. They're really going all out, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they are. I think you have to. He really doesn't care. He has no picks next year in case he hasn't got a job, I suppose. I think, I think once you've once you've gone in, I think it's kind of in for a penny, in for a pound. Like at this point, you just have to go all in because you've you've given up so much already that if you don't, then you're going to be struggling. Yeah, I mean, if, if I was a fan of the team, that's what I'd want to see. I want to see you trying. Like at this stage, you've invested this much, and you can now see there's a problem. Right, go and fix it because we're too far into this thing. I feel like it's a bad move for the Raiders though, because like their secondary is not good, and then they've just lost a starter. Yeah, lost a starter who was looking good, and obviously they'd already lost their first round um, Abram. So yeah, in- interesting move on their part, but we'll we'll see how it how it turns out for both of them. Okay, moving on uh, back over to myself, we have got the Vikings at the Lions. The Vikings saw this one out forty-two to thirty winners. Uh, another impressive game from Kirk Cousins. Obviously, we got uh, lambasted at the start of the season. Um, the first few games weren't very impressive, but I think the last four weeks he's uh, he's he's looked very good. Uh, t- yesterday he was twenty-four completions, three hundred thirty-seven yards, and four touchdowns. Um, through the last uh, since week four, um, he has thrown ten touchdowns to only one interception. Um, he's improved massively and it's benefited all of his receivers, especially obviously the uh, disgruntled Diggs and Phelan. Diggs was the impressive wide receiver today, largely in part to uh, Phelan, obviously going down injured. Uh, Phelan did get a touchdown on his one one grab for 25 yards, but then did leave the game with a hamstring injury. Uh, he didn't come back. They don't believe it's that serious, but he will have an MRI on the on that. And they, I think I did read earlier that he is likely to be out from the Thursday night game. Yeah, that's what it said earlier. So, I mean, that's something to look out for. Um, Olabasi Johnson um, obviously came in. He looked okay last week, um, but he, as the number two wide receiver this week, he also got a touchdown um, alongside 40 yards off four receptions. Stefan Diggs, another impressive game after last week's game. Um, he didn't get a touchdown today, but he did uh, catch seven passes for 142 yards. Uh, and finally, we saw something from Carl Rudolph. Obviously, he has had probably one of the worst seasons against expectations for tight ends so far. Uh, but today, yesterday, sorry, he, uh, he ended the day with 58 yards off five receptions and one Touchdown, which was good to see. I still don't believe he can be trusted at the moment. Um, we need to see it more consistently from him. Uh, but I mean, there are worse options out there in the in the tight end market if you are if you are desperate. And he's likely on there because I I can imagine a lot of people um, may have sort of cut him by the wayside with the with his start. And then the only obviously that the main guy in their offense alongside Kirk Cousins at the moment has got to be Talvin Cook, another monster game. 25, um, 25 attempts, 142 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, it's always more difficult for a running back, but I think he's got to be, at the moment, in the conversation for, for MVP with his start. I don't know what your guys' opinion is on that. Yeah, I think he's been great. I think the the Vikings... I'm not really too sure to think of them going forwards because I'm not sure if they're 
I don't think they're going to run as many plays as they did in this game going forward. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if they return to the runner, if they keep giving Cousins the like the trust to pass it. So, yeah, I think I, I'm not too sure on the outlook of Rudolph and Smith because um, for me, I'm just the, the thing I'm unsure about is did they have good games because of Thielen not being there and commanding those targets or was it genuinely just a good game? That's, that's my concern. I think if Thielen returns to the team, then those uh, 12 combined targets, they, you know, you got, you got to think another seven, seven of those probably going to be going to Thielen. Yeah, that's so very true. That is that's, very true. That's, that's the only thing that makes me nervous. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't want to rely on him at all, um, Rudolph. I mean, but <clears throat> it was just good to see, especially some people. He is some people's main tight end. Um, probably not so much now with how um, unaffected he's been. But um, yeah, I, I agree. I think what what I find most interesting about about the Vikings, obviously, we, we all saw the start they they made, but. I mean, they are they're five and two, second in the division, and looking strong on both the passing and the running game, as well as having a pretty good defense. I mean, yesterday, all right, the defense wasn't amazing, but I, I'm, I've been pretty impressive from the last few weeks, and I think they're going to have a, a strong year if if the last few weeks are anything to go by. On the Lions side of the ball. Um, uh, Matt Stafford, uh, he, he had a, he had a, a decent game. Thirty completions off forty five attempts, three hundred sixty four yards, four touchdowns, one interception. All four of those touchdowns came the way of Marvin Jones, who finished with ten catches for ninety three yards. I can't remember it exactly, but I think I saw somewhere that he is. It's the second time in his career he's done his uh, four touchdowns. I think only him and four other people have done it. And he's the second person to have four touchdowns and under 100 yards receiving. It was a an odd game, a very impressive game, but an, an odd an odd stat line for him to finish on. When when you think about it, it's not often that you see three touchdowns and under 100 yards, let alone four. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I don't think um, I don't think that's going to be something we're going to see again. Uh, unfortunately, I actually don't think we're going to see this level of passing from Detroit again. I mean, primarily they want to run. Um, I think they were kind of forced into passing with Carry um, On Johnson going down injured early, um, which kind of scuppered a couple of my fantasy teams. Um, but also the Vikings getting out to a big lead meant that they had to entrust Stafford. But I don't think that's going to be something they're going to want to do going forward. Like this team's kind of built to run. Yeah, I agree. Um, Perrin Johnson left in the second quarter. He, he didn't come back, and they were then relying on McKissick and um, T.Y. Johnson, who are largely re- more receiving backs than they are um, running backs. I mean, T.Y. Johnson did get 10 carries, but I agree. They, the game was already running away from them, and they had to lean on the on the passing game in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be interesting to see the results of the MRI from Carrion Johnson to see like what is the team going to do? Because uh, I know that the Arizona Cardinals they worked at, they're working or worked out JGI because he's now available and he's fit. So it'd be interesting to see uh, how quickly they they schedule like an MRI or whatever for carry on. See how see how the knee is, and if if we start hearing those rumors for 
JJ to come into town. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's a bit concerning for Carry On Johnson because he's been banged up a couple of times this year. He obviously missed time last year. Just when we were hoping that he could take a hold of the workload, the lion's share of the workload, and these little injuries that he keeps getting is gonna it's it's concerning from a fantasy aspect, especially to some of the value that has been put on him. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the 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 only other real takeaway from this, I don't know if if you guys have got any news on it, but I certainly didn't see any. Was um, Kenny Golladay only finished with one reception for twenty one yards? I mean, did he pick up a knock or did he just? I mean, Amendola and Marvin Jones sort of ate up all the targets in this game, from what I can see. I didn't watch but, this game that closely to know, but I haven't heard that he's he was injured, so I can only assume it's probably to do with the fact that he was probably getting tight coverage. But, I mean, I'm sure as soon as we release this, I'm going to be told, no, he was injured and I just missed it. More than likely, yeah, more than likely. Doesn't look like it was injury. No, I fully, yeah, I suspect it. I mean, the, like we, I've mentioned before, the Vikings' defence are a pretty, a pretty good defence and they, they've got a, a lot of good players on their secondary. I, I suspect he was probably shut out of the game, which allowed the 13 and 11 targets to... Jones and Amadola respectively. Yeah, roads were closed. <laughs> do, do you guys think that now at 2-3-1 and one, and the trade deadline being this week, that the results of um, Kerry on Johnson's MRI would make them buyers or sellers at the deadline? I think they're more likely to be a seller than a buyer because I think you know, the Packers are looking great. Um, the Vikings are also looking great. So the chances of them making the playoffs are probably, at this point, I would say slim. Yeah. Um, so I'd say they're probably more likely to be a seller, but I don't know what they'd necessarily be willing to sell um, versus what someone would be willing to buy, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I think outside of their youngsters, a lot of their guys who are impressed and are sort of on the backside of their careers and will they get the sort of value that they would expect for for those sort of players I don't don't think there's anyone you can really put a finger on say he could get traded for a decent haul in in my opinion yeah exactly I believe they'll they'll see out the year and sort of take take whatever they can really this year yeah I'd agree then the only other note I had on this game was I saw a tweet earlier that I wanted to keep. I've got it here from um, Fields Yates on Twitter. Kirk Cousins, over his past three games, is 68 of 90, which is 75.6%. 976 yards, 10 touchdowns and one interception. He's the only QB in NFL history, three straight games of 300 yards passing and a QB rating of over 130. Okay, yeah. yeah so he, you've got to hit that groove. Yeah, he's an interesting specimen. I think he's he's shown at times for his whole career how impressive he can be. Uh, but then he can just go through periods where he just almost disappears and people think to themselves, "What? why you invest this sort of money in him? He's, he's, uh, yeah, he's a difficult one to read week in, week out. We will... Uh... We will go over to the Bengals. Uh, the Jaguars will visit in the Bengals. And Rich, on to you. Yeah, so I think this, this was a game that I was kind of shocked, but not shocked in this game because I, I genuinely thought that Leonard Fournette would be a certainty to get a touchdown. Multiple touchdowns were likely. It was kind of how, how I thought it was going to go. Obviously, Leonard Fournette um, had a huge workload in this game. 
uh, running the ball 131 yards from 29 attempts. In terms of rece- receiving, um, did Westbrook had a great game. So did uh, Chris Conley. DJ Shark, Shark probably disappointed a couple of fantasy owners with uh, 53 yards and uh, three receptions. Um, I think, I think for for me that the biggest, the biggest kind of takeaway from the Jags side of the ball is that their their defense can can still play, and they can still um, like force errors from opposition. Um, and the Bengals are just uh, is trash at this point. I mean, Joe, Joe Mixon, I just feel sorry for him because he's he's a talented guy who has like zero chance of getting anything done when he gets handed the ball, and he's already been faced with three defenders in the backfield. So you know, where's where's he going? And that was ultimately why he ended the game with um, ten rushing attempts for two yards. And yeah, that is definitely the right way around. <laughs> um, it, on the Bengals side of the ball, uh, this was one of these games where where I, I kind of got not a lot of abuse, but kind of people saying, how did you not um, predict uh, the breakout for for Alex Erickson? I'm kind of like, uh, well, I, I, I don't think anyone really thought that he would catch 137 yards. So um, this this Bengals team needs to decide what's happening with AJ Green, ultimately. That's kind of where I am. Yeah, I think it's, well, the... Have they got their bye coming up or have they already had their bye? I imagine it's after next week and they, they play at Wembley next week, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So it's probably the week after. Yeah, and I think he, he's always said it was going to be around that sort of time, but you, you're right. I mean, this, it's a lost season for them, I think. Do, do they do they make that decision to bring him back? Or would he want to sit out a whole year? I mean, I, I can't imagine he would do, um, but it also depends on how his recovery's gone. There's been... Not much news on it, to be to be honest, outside of the fact that he said he was never likely to be coming back until after the bye. Yeah, I mean, we're just talking about the Detroit Lions. What are they going to do? I think this this Bengals team, if they can get if they can get something for AJ Green, I, I think they just kind of have to take it. This this team is this team needs a lot of work in a lot I, of areas to be, to be competitive. You, I think they need to move the few assets they have get something in return and just start the rebuild from the ground up. You know, it's, you know, Dalton's not really the guy. I know he's played well in spurts, but he's always going to be that guy who now and again gives you just enough to keep you hanging on saying, I think it's in there. The next coach will get it out of him. But, you know, just hate to say it for Bengals fans, but blow it up and start again. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, yesterday's game, the the fourth quarter for Dalton sort of summed, summed it up really. Uh, in the space of five attempts, he threw three, three interceptions, and one of those went for a pick six. I mean, it, yeah, it's a complete rebuild job, and it's a not a quick one either. I mean, they, like we said, they've got so many holes to fill across all areas. I mean, what? How many players can you name on this team that you can build a franchise around realistically? Not many. Uh, literally, I've just got two two names that literally just sprung to mind. Uh, Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon. That's kind yeah. of it. Yeah. And even even that, it's like you. I think Andy Dalton is actually almost going to hinder their progress because he's going to be that type of quarterback where he's not going to suck enough for you to want to move on. But um, yeah, that's what I mean. He, I put him in the same category as a Ryan Tannehill or even a Jameis Winston or someone like that, where they just show you enough 
just every so many weeks to keep you hanging on. And if you're a fan of that team, you you cry out and say, he can do it. I've seen him do it. I've seen the throws. But ultimately, there will always be more mistakes. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, Lee, you've only just come back from there, but why don't we talk about your Miami Dolphins? Do we have to? <laughs> That's fine. I was going to say, do we have to as well? Like, close. <laughs> so. Yeah, but I mean, having been out there too uh, last week, sorry, for the Redskins game, it's very, very obvious this team blows on purpose. This, this, it's not even a question. And people can argue and say that, well, you put Fitzpatrick in and you were close to winning and they at home, they should have kicked, kicked the extra point. They got a kicker that can kick 60 yards in their own stadium. Didn't do it. Went for two. And at the line of scrimmage, we stood up in the stands and said, there is not enough people to block for this play. What are you doing? And that's exactly how it turned out because they don't want to win. It does no good to win. So, I mean, the, I'm, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I think it's more than obvious what the plan is. The you know, the reports at the beginning of last year were the owners infatuated with, with Tua from Alabama and rightly or wrongly, they're going to do whatever it takes to get him. So that's, that makes me really confused though, because now this is one of these like situations where I think you've got a massive disconnect between front office and back office because if that's the case, then why did they trade for Josh Rosen? Because Josh Rosen is your three-year backup at $6 million. The cost is nothing. It's, you, you don't need him to play well. You don't need him. It's, did the introductory press conference when the owner sat down next to him said, we, we hired this guy because we are on the same page. And then the moves that they subsequently made, I mean, if, if not, it only be the, the head coach that's not on the same page because all the moves have suggested that that's the plan and they're carrying it out. Yep. I mean, this team is definitely in them. This team, I mean, if they are, they've kind of made the right moves for like making a rebuild. I mean, it's just the quarterback that kind of makes me a bit confused. Um, but I mean, they're kind of they kind of did what the Bengals should do, which is look at anyone who has like an iota of talent, ship them out, get some picks in. Let's try and make this team younger um, and see. Yeah, see, I mean, see what we can get going. I so say I I don't agree with it. I don't think it's I don't think it's fair on the fans. I don't think it's fair on fans of other teams. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not fair on on fans of the game because there's 17 games the Dolphins are playing this year that no one really cares about. I, I've said each time we've reviewed a game that they've played in, it's very hard to judge the opponent because they're not really playing. They're not trying to win. So that, that's, an, that's a real issue for me. I mean, I know so they went close two weeks ago and actually they should have been up 21-9 at halftime yesterday. The, the final seven points of Bill scored was on an onside kick after the Dolphins had scored. So, I mean, you could say they were attempting to win again. But I think they, they've, they've ensured that they've got enough talent deficiencies that they can keep losing and, you know, claim that it's not on purpose. I mean, again, they had a player, uh, Xavier Howard, sit the last two weeks after coming off a bye week. He played every game leading up to that. So I think they're just trying to ensure it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I'm glad that uh, Williams had a... A good, a good day. Apart barring the obviously the fumble, he continues to obviously not light the world alight, but show that he has something, and that, that's that's good to see. 
Yeah, I mean, there there are some pieces there that there it would excite you for the future. Um, Preston Williams, I mean, he's undrafted, so what he's doing is good. Like I say, not setting the world alight, but it's good. Mark Walton, the last few weeks, has been superb. Now, I know he's had all the off-field issues, but that's the sort of guy that this coaching staff likes. I mean, all the coaches came from New England. This is a, a New England-type player, you know, a reclamation project that's really going to be on the cheap. Is a Miami native. Just kind of makes you know sense to have him. There is some pieces there, you know, that would lead you to believe that with the ammunition they've got to go into next year's draft, this could be a competitive team next year, not a, not a playoff team, but a, you know a five hundred team. But I mean, it, so far I've ignored the Bills, which is not fair. But that's, <laughs> I was just about to say we're ignoring a five. That's and a Dolphins fan, me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're five and one, and yesterday was. I, I think they played down to their opponent. I think is is the problem, and it it's the sort of thing that concerns me with teams that aren't historically used to winning. Do you know what I mean? I don't worry about an Aaron Rodgers going into a game against a lesser opponent. He's going to get the job done. A team like this, I think they played down to their opponent yesterday. And I think when you look at their schedule going forward, they play a lot of teams of losing records. And it's going to be, I, I think they, you know, they will slip up a couple of times. It'll be against teams that they should beat. And I don't think it'll be a reflection on talent. It'll just be the sort of growing process of a young team. Because I think they, they, they are a good team. Um, I'm not sold on Josh Allen. I think he's wildly inconsistent, but I think they've got good defense, and you know they've definitely got the pieces going forward. Yeah, their defense is um, is very good, and it, it keeps them in a lot of games. Like you say, Allen can be erratic at times, um, and he can he can he can look good at times. But it's an interesting it's an interesting setup all around. I mean, it's difficult to see how they're. Well, it's not. I mean, the schedule's been kind to them at times, but I mean, you would look at this roster and you wouldn't expect their five and one team. I think it's just a team that just knows what it needs to do. Like, yeah. it, I mean, I'm a rugby fan, so I'm just going to just quickly make a quick rugby comparison. But kind of reminds me a little bit of like the Exeter Chiefs when they first got promoted into the Premiership. Like, they don't really have a lot of like blockbuster stars but they just play so well as a unit. Like everyone knows that they just need to do like their one bit of the job. And if they do, then they'll, then they'll do well. And that's kind of what it seems to me to be. Yeah. And that's a testament to the, um, the coaching staff really. Yeah. I I really think it is. I think, you know, the coaching is really, it kind of seems like it's just turned a corner. Definitely. And I, I think it also helps having a couple of older guys around like a Frank Gore. Do you know what I mean? He's still getting it done. He's still productive, but he's the sort of guy who, who leads a team the right way. You know, he, he's going to set an example. He's not a raw, raw guy, but if you do what Frank does, you're going to be all right. The, the beautiful thing about Frank Gore is he's just going to do exactly what I was saying. Like, he's just going to do That's exactly yeah. what you need him to do. Like, he's not that running back who's like Saquon Barkley. They could finish with the same average, average per carry. But Saquon Barkley is going to be like zero, one, one, eighty. Frank yeah. Gore is going to be like better for your team. That's right. He's going to be five, 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 five. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he's just he's just plodding. He doesn't. He he's not like looking to break a long run. Because honestly, his lungs probably couldn't take it. But when he does break one, whoo! Watching him last year in Miami it was great fun. Love Frank Gore. But when when he broke through a hole, you're like, oh god, he's never going to get there. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, it's like. It's almost like he's just like, is there seriously no one that I can just run into? 
<laughs> yeah, that's very true. He is. Uh, it's. Uh, it's going to be a sad day when he decides to hang up his boots. Well, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't have seen the Rams have losing three on the bounce uh, so early on in the year. But I mean, they've been given a, a couple of couple of good games coming up to uh, rectify that. And the first one was yesterday against the words can't describe how bad the Falcons have been this year. But uh, the Rams, the Rams won this one, thirty-seven to ten. Um, Jared Goff uh, has had struggles for much of the season, um, but yesterday he was allowed time. He wasn't pressured a lot, and when he's not pressured, he he can play well. When he does play well, it's when the defense put pressure on him is when he starts to struggle. Yesterday was uh, a pretty good day for him: twenty-two completions, two hundred sixty-eight yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, he did also run in a touchdown as well um, near the goal line. But uh, like I say, when when he's not getting the pressure on him, he's got time to think. He's got time to sit in the pocket, and and he does make good plays. Obviously, we know the supporting cast, especially from the receiving point of view, is is up there in the league. Uh, I'm not going to go through them all, but the, all three of the wide receivers had a minimum of 50 yards yesterday. Um, and Todd Gurley scored his first receiving touchdown since uh, week 8 of 2018. On Gurley, I'm still a bit concerned. I mean, yesterday he had 18 attempts on the ground for 41 yards. I don't believe he's injured at the moment. I mean, he did miss. I mean, he did miss last week, but he just seems to be lacking that that confidence since the start of this year. I mean. I don't know what your guys' opinion are on him so far, but yeah, he's just leaving a lot to be desired. I'm a huge Todd Gurley fan. Um, Got to be honest, I picked him up in a load of fantasy drafts and as a fantasy rookie, that's not paying off well. Um, but I just don't think he looks himself. He just doesn't look, like you say, it's the confidence. He, he's not running with the same style as before. Now, whether it's a mental thing or a physical thing, I know they say that, it wasn't, you know, the arthritis wasn't going to be be a problem for him. But clearly something is not right because he's not Todd Gurley of beginning of last season, you know, before the injury. So, yeah, I mean, for, for me, the struggles were actually from his offensive line. Like if you look at how he ran last season, he ran at a, play, at a player knowing that there was going to be a hole. Whereas this year he's running at one of his offensive linemen thinking there's going to be a hole. And there is not a hole. That to me is the biggest issue. Yeah, the O line has uh, has been poor at times um, this year, and that that could be a that could be a big factor in it. To be fair, um, their their defense is the is the ones that are, are keeping them in quite a lot of games. I mean, the the Ramsey trade was an interesting one. I'll be honest. Um, I get it. They are in a position where they can realistically win with this with this team and the, the roster they have. Um, but I was very surprised with the fact that he played 84% of the snaps yesterday. He was rested in, in, in most of the second half when they had a, a decent lead. But I, I think it's a good move for them. Um, I think the Jags got a very good haul from it as well. But this, this defense is scary on paper. Yeah, I'd agree. And uh, Ryan felt the full force of it because, obviously, unfortunately, he went out injured um, in the fourth quarter. It's an ankle injury. Um, I haven't seen a great deal of it um, today in the in the news, but 
obviously he didn't return. Um, it does look like he's going to miss a game or two. Um, like I say, I've not, I've not unfortunately seen too much news on it since it obviously came out. Um, and, and Devontae Freeman, what was he thinking? Uh, he, got, <laughs> he got ejected for trying to fight with Aaron Donald. Has he not seen Aaron Donald? Because that always works out well for people. Yeah, I wouldn't say a bad word about him if I was up in the stands, let alone on the field with him. <laughs> Did you see, well, I'm assuming you saw it, right? Where Aaron Donald just like literally just picks him up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I think I'd probably have a swing at him at that, at that point where someone like picked me up. I'd be like, nah, mate, not happening. But... Oh yeah, certainly I would be uh, I would be fuming at it, but oh, yeah, he's got a yeah, he's a brave man, brave man. Um, like I say, the Falcons only scored ten points. They they didn't look great. I mean, they, their touchdown was a garbage time touchdown for Austin Hooper. Um, forgive me, I cannot pronounce his surname, but the guy who came in to replace Matt Ryan was Matt Schwab. I want to say Schwab. Schwab. So and he he did go six for six. 65 yards and a touchdown. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I say, the the Rams, the, the scoreline was reflective of how this game went, really, for me. Um, they, they The Rams did everything in the first half and sort of put everything on their defence to win it for them in the second, which they were able to do. I think Dan Quinn is walking a very fine line. I mean, I don't suspect anything will be done this week, but, I mean, this is five straight losses now. He's, his time's got to be running out. Yeah, I think it's, a matter, it's just a matter of, um, when now, whether they choose to do it in season or, or wait to the off season, I think it's, it's not a matter of if it happens, just when. Yeah, I think they'll possibly try and see out for as long as possible. Not many NFL teams like to do it in season, so <clears throat> that about sums sums up that game for me. We'll uh, we'll head over to Tennessee for the Chargers versus the Titans, Rich. Yeah, so this is a bit of a weird one because I actually um, I kind of thought the Chargers would do more in this game. Uh, it seemed. Seemed like te- Tennessee just kind of took the ball away from them in in a large large aspect of the game. So uh, Ryan Tannehill, you know, really took his chance to to be the starting quarterback with um, with his performance through for over three hundred yards, two touchdowns, one interception, um, which is I, I was quite impressed with that. Um, Derek Henry continues to be a bit of a wrecking ball on the ground. And scored a touchdown, which was his, I think his first touchdown since the start of the season, rushing touchdown since the start of the season. That hasn't been one yard. Um, and it was nice to see Corey Davis on the score sheet as well, which kind of, I, I wondered if he would, if he'd get some kind of resurgence from Tannehill being the quarterback. Um, and he certainly did catch in eight, eight yards touchdown. So that's pretty decent fantasy performance. Chargers side the ball. Um, Philip Rivers kind of did what he did needed to, needed to do, um, or what, what he was able to do, um, what he was given. Um, Melvin Gordon really struggled to get anything going on the ground, which isn't a massive surprise against this um, defensive unit. They're really good at stopping runners, so um, that's not a huge shock. But I was kind of. I was kind of um, surprised at how quickly they've actually just given Melvin Gordon all of the touches in the backfield. I thought it would maybe take a few weeks because of the effectiveness of Eckler at the start of the season. But um, Eckler really made the Tennessee um, Titans defense not look that effective. 
um, in the air, which where he finished um, leading the team with 118 yards and a reception. Uh, Hunter Henry returned from his uh, second game back from his injury. Again, great game. 97 yards. Um, no touchdown this game, but you, know, you can't have everything. Uh, I think he's definitely... If you held on to him, then yeah, that was great. If he's still, if he is still available, which I'd be extremely shocked at, then you should 100% be picking him up. Um, I don't really know what else to say in this game other than Keenan Allen was maybe a little bit of a disappointment. 61 yards from 11 targets. That to me is a little bit disappointing. Um, but I guess onwards and upwards for the Chargers, right? Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting season for them so far. I mean, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't see any of this game, so I don't have any takeaways apart from what I've seen on the stats. And yeah, it's just one of those games, really. I've got to be honest, I, I wasn't surprised by how Ryan Tannehill played. I mean, he's that sort of quarterback. It's his first 300-yard game since week three, I believe, of 2016. But if you give him time, he will make the throws. He's a he's a good NFL quarterback. He's better than Marcus Mariota, and I I will stand by that. Um, I think that the trade was was a great trade for them because they were going to win either way. Um, either he doesn't play because Mariota plays well and stays healthy, or I actually thought he'd probably get hurt first. But obviously, performance related, Ryan Tannehill gets his chance. Don't don't write them off. He, he'll be able to steer a team, especially if the defense is good. Yeah, he's done it before. I think he's a he's a good game manager for them to see out. Well, as long as they decide he's the better quarterback. Um, over to Seattle for the uh, Ravens heading into town, and Lee on to you. Yeah, so th- this was actually the the second game on Sky last night. Um, the Ravens ran out winners thirty sixteen. Um, it's an interesting game because I thought. The Ravens found a way to make Russell Wilson look flustered. And I think it came on a lot of hits that you won't see on the stat sheet because they were after the pass was out. The pass may have been completed, but they they had him sitting on the ground a lot. He was knocked on his butt a lot. And I think it showed late in the game that Seahawks' offense kind of fed off of it and became a little bit frantic. Lamar Jackson was superb again making the throws when, when they needed to be made. Um, the only criticism I had, and this is going to sound stupid, but throughout the broadcast, they kept saying how much he was struggling with his footing. He changed shoes three or four times. Come on, man, you've got to get this stuff right. You've been, you've been out there long enough. You know, If anyone's ever been to an NFL game, you see how long the players are out there before, before the game. Uh, it did rain, but come on, you've got to get that stuff sorted out. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the game really turned on on a Marcus Peters play that um, the commentators would drew it up and showed you that um, it might even have been Will Blackman on the sky presentation that he baited Russell Wilson by dropping, looking like he was dropping into his own coverage and then picking the, picking the ball off and taking it for six. And I think it was a superb play and that's exactly what he did. But I think that's exactly the reason the Rams are willing to trade him because I think Wade Phillips wants wants him to play in the system. He wants him to do what he's supposed to do. Like if you think you can bait him into something, you don't do it unless that's what the, the defensive play call is. And I think that's probably why they were willing to let him go. This case it paid off. It's a great 
great pick and for a touchdown. Um, the only other thing that really I had to say on this was late in the game, the Seahawks had the ball and they were trying to make make a bit of a drive um, and on a pass to DK Metcalf, he just flat out dropped it. I mean, he had it in his hands, just fumbled it, was picked up and returned for a touchdown. That was that was the end of that. I mean, really did really did seal the game. He was also he was wearing a gum shield that was looked like a dummy. That's really cool until you drop the ball and it's returned for a touchdown and your team loses and then you just look like a dummy. Yeah, he's yeah he's worn that all year. <laughs> I've seen that last week. I thought that's an interesting choice. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's cool. I've got no problem with it. I just think, you know, it, all of a sudden it doesn't look so clever when, when you're chasing down a guy who's running for a touchdown off your fumble. So That's very true. I mean, the, from from my side, I mean, this is the sort of game that everyone was expecting Lamar Jackson to be uh, coming into the year, wasn't it? Obviously, ineffective through the air and absolutely dominant on the ground. Um, he's shown otherwise so far this year, but this is, yeah, I mean rather ineffective on the air. I mean, the Seattle defence is nothing to scoff about. They've they've impressed this year. But, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised at this result, um, really. I, I honestly thought that um, Seattle would, would see over the Ravens. I was hoping they would as well, obviously, from a, from a Steelers fan point of view. But Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Ravens can definitely win this style of game going forwards. You know, you, I don't think you want to... That was people's concern last year is that Lamar Jackson wasn't going to be effective through the air. He could only run. Well, now he's shown enough that you have to respect his passing ability. And you can throw in the game that he wins by his leg, you know, with his legs now and again. It just can't be every week. He has to be um, versatile enough to, you know, to win a game with his arm. Yeah, definitely. Ravens double-A defense turned up, which I was kind of shocked at. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think Seattle, they they have, they have issues in that if Plan A doesn't work, they really don't know how to do a Plan B. Um, Tyler Lockett was kind of, yeah, he caught a touchdown, but he was kind of locked down um, for the for the game. Um, they just yeah, they just seem to be spooking the the Seahawks into where the where the pass rush was coming from, who was going to be rushing if they if the linebackers were going to be blitzing or going to be in zone like I think you've got to give fair credit to Baltimore here they really like asked some questions yeah it was a good it was a good game plan from them all, all round really so my uh, final game on the slate this evening is the Saints at the Bears uh, the scoreline was 36-25 to the Saints I mean this game was not a 36-25 game in all honesty um the the bears once again looked poor on offense through much of the game uh trubisky returned i mean he did have 251 yards for two touchdowns they were two late touchdowns um i just don't know what's happening with the offense this year Nagy seems to be making silly calls um the run game has been ineffective uh, I mean, today, granted, they went behind early, so they couldn't really run the ball as much. But, I mean, David Montgomery, two two attempts, six yards. Dorico, three attempts, ten yards. Uh, Montgomery lost a fumble. There's not much There's not much to say from a, from a Bears point of view. 85 total yards in three quarters, says it all, really. Um, one of the, the, I mean, their touchdown, one of their touchdowns was a 
kick return from Patterson for 102 yards. That was probably the highlight of their day. Just, yeah, what what's happening with the Bears, really? I think, so I, I, what I think has happened with the Bears is they've kind of moved away from what actually made them successful last season. And losing Jordan Howard, I think, has actually been a bigger impact than most people actually thought it would be. The Bears last season seemed like they were a team that was just going to play really, really solid, elite kind of level defense. And then they were just going to run the clock. And this season, it seems as though, for whatever reason, be it offensive line, um, you know, David Montgomery seems to want to make those big, big runs, which I think kind of hinders him behind the line. Um, for whatever reason, they just can't get the running game going. And I think that really affects them in terms of their time of possession. Um, and they've been, so then their defense is on the field for longer and getting fatigued and giving up big plays. And that means that then they have to give Mitchell Trubisky the ball, which is never going to be really a great way to try and win an NFL game. I just don't really think he's actually that good. No, I agree. No, I mean, he probably falls into that game manager. I mean, because that's what he was being asked to do last year. It's not, like you say, play good defense, go out there and don't lose the game. Just make the plays that are there and no more and trust the defense. And like you said, now they're unable to do that. Now you now they have to trust Trubisky a little bit more and you're seeing really the you know the caliber of quarterback that he is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean from the like I say, this the, the Saints the Saints played their game well. Um obviously there were concerns coming into this with Kamara being out um against this defense, but uh, like Rich alluded to, the they were on the field for far too long and they just got tired and they couldn't they couldn't keep it up. Um Murray um, was had a surprisingly good day. Um, Twenty-seven attempts, one hundred and nineteen yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, he also got thirty-one yards off five receptions. Um, Michael Thomas does what Michael Thomas has done all season: nine catches for one hundred and thirty-one yards. And Teddy Bridgewater again managed the game and again won. And obviously, I, what's it, I, I don't believe he's lost uh, in his relief really for for Breeze so far. But they they did everything right. Their defense is has been very good all year, um, and they were once again today. Um, there was only the Bears, like I said, they had eighty three yards in sorry eighty five yards in three quarters. They only had four first downs in three quarters. Um, the 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 Saints suffocated them and made them pay on the ground, um, and that's that's all there is really to it. There. Six and one, they're probably them and the Packers. Uh, I mean, and the the 49ers, you've got to put them in there with their record. But I'd be surprised if the Saints aren't in the uh, NFC Championship come the, come the end of the year, especially once they get Breeze and Kamara back on the field. Yeah, I mean, I, on that, I actually, you know, in, in listening to what they were saying during the game, sounds like Drew Breeze is wanting to suit up this week before the bye. Yes, I've seen well, that as well. Whether that happens, I'm not sure. But I mean, if he if he wants out there, then you've got to believe that he's feeling like he's ready. I mean, I don't see, I couldn't see the team taking a risk on him if he wasn't ready. So yeah, I think with the I I don't believe they will. They've got the room to let him sit one more week. But yeah, I mean, he he's clearly he's clearly saying all the right things, and yeah, once he's back, it's sort of the same, really. I mean, what. What what more can these guys do that they're not already doing with Breeze under centre? 
No, no, I think the only, the only thing is, I think then you'd see um, some more kind of production from Alvin Kamara. We've not really, I, I know he missed this game, um, but we've not really seen any of those like really like big games that he's like prime for. Um, I think if Breeze returns, then we probably start seeing those because teams are going to have to, as good as uh, Teddy Bridgewater has been, they, you know, if you're a team facing Bridgewater or Kamara, you're going to block the run, right? So Yeah, of course, definitely. Definitely. Um, on to our last game of Sunday slash Monday for us over in the UK. Uh, the Eagles visiting the Cowboys and uh, over to you, Rich. So I, I think I just need to start this off by saying that um, the Eagles kind of didn't do anyone a favour by losing this game to the Cowboys because now we've got to hear about all of the Cowboys, MVP, all of this chat. Mm. That, you know, <laughs> this, this, this is their year. So thanks a lot, Eagles. You've ruined my life. Eagles just seemed like a little bit out of sorts. Carson Wentz didn't really seem like he was himself. Couldn't really get the running game going. Just seems a bit like flat. Now, I think part of that is the effectiveness of the Dallas Cowboys um, defense. They've got a lot of guys on that team who are really effective. Um, you know, Sean Lee's really looking really young again. I think he's just been asked to do less and less on on this team. You know, Van der Ache is looking good. Uh, Byron Jones, Jalen Smith, all of these guys are really starting to come up big for the Cowboys. And I think that's a big part of um, what they're doing. And it actually enables them, as we were saying with Chicago, to play like half-decent defense and then feed Zeke. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott was kind of, um, he he was this game really, 111 yards on the ground from 22 attempts and a rushing touchdown. It's pretty good. (laughs) Um, Dak Prescott kind of shows his dual threat um, quarterback ability with a with a rushing touchdown too. Um, I think this Cowboys team is actually pretty good, which kind of hurts me to say because I hate Cowboys fans generally. I just Amari Cooper obviously had a big receiving game as well, and I think what my concern is with with him is that he, you know, he, we know he's been more bust kind of from his days in Oakland, but the biggest concern for me is. This 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 injury, I think, is going to flare up again at some point, and it's going to be when it's going to be when you need him the most. I think you know when it flares up, it will flare up like early in a game, and I just I'm concerned that he's going to have a flare up, and they're going to need him for the playoffs. So I'm not really too sure why, unless he's unless this injury is not as bad as I certainly think it is. I don't know why they're putting him out there. Yeah, it's a big risk, but I think this is the sort of game that they. Uh, would want him out there but I do agree I think that they should realistically be a playoff bound team um, injuries have been a big part of the last couple of weeks I mean they were list- they were missing two key offensive linemen um, they got them back Tyron Smith and uh, Liel Collins both returned uh, obviously the only con- the, the concern for them is injuries and obviously they did get a couple more yesterday um, you mentioned Van Der Esch he, he left with a neck injury um, I don't know the extent of that I don't believe the diagnosis is is bad. Um, he he may well be back next week, but he had to leave. And then also Robert Quinn, who's looked um, very good for them um, on the defense this year. He left with a rib injury again. I've not seen a great deal on it um, at the moment, but I think this is what I say. So I, I think they actually are a playoff team, and that's kind of what confuses me more about the inclusion of Cooper because you look at their division, and it's almost like at the point at which this game was won. I don't know why they didn't just shut him down. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, in the fir- in the first half, the game was effectively 
not f- it wasn't definitely over, but you know, coming in at halftime, twenty twenty-seven to seven. You know, I'd maybe think about cutting down Cooper's snaps because effectively you've only got to beat the Eagles in your division because the other two games are kind of going to be a lock for you, right? Yes. And then Giants, like you, you're not expecting to lose those games. So really, this this is the division game. This gives you the playoff berth. So I was I was kind of sh- that's what I'm kind of shocked about. But obviously, we only get to see um, a small amount of the injury report. They get to see everything. So you know, I'm, I've got to believe that they're making the right decisions. Yeah, no, definitely. I think my only other thing on this is um, Carson Wentz. Are we concerned? I mean, he's had a couple of bad weeks. He's had a few bad weeks through, throughout the season. He just very erratic and at times ineffective um i don't they've got a lot of injuries across the board which will obviously be having an effect on it but he just doesn't seem the same player he he's shown in previous years yeah i think um they need this team needs the sean jackson back you know they need that field stretcher because i think that's that's the issue that middle middle part of the field is um it's just getting so congested you've got dallas goddard jeffrey uh a gonghu, like all in that kind of um, like short intermediate route range, and you just need someone to force defenders to have to go long. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's easy to read at the moment, and uh, they they've got to get it sorted quickly, or or they're gonna um, they're gonna lose. Well, they're obviously behind Cowboys at the moment, but they don't want to lose any more ground. Lee, anything on this game from you? No, I'll be honest, I didn't see it, so it'd be a little bit silly of me to pass judgment. <laughs> but I must say, it just it, how often is, is that late game an NFC East game? It yeah, seems like every yeah. every season we see almost all of the NFC East games. Oh, it's the most entertaining uh, division, obviously. Cowboys <laughs> are in it, right? Everyone, everyone loves the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we will, uh, we will leave it there. Um, that is all of Sunday's games wrapped up. Obviously, we've got the uh, we've got the game tonight that I'm sure we're all, all looking forward to. I'm I'm going to call it now. I reckon the Patriots are probably going to win. Wait, what am I talking about? Patriots played on Thursday. Definitely time to end the podcast, guys. Um, but no, seriously, um, thank you very much, guys, for joining me. Um, Lee, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me at Five Yard Lee on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's just talk some football. Definitely. I'm Rich. How about yourself? Uh, you can find me at Rich King FF. Excellent. And you can find me at addicted to underscore FF. Uh, and you can find our our um, articles on the website, Five Yard Rush website. Um, and like Lee says, just, just drop us a message. We're always happy to talk football or mainly football because I don't know about you guys, but I don't know much else apart from that. Um, but that's it for another week. We will be back same time next week. Uh, but until then, Rush Nation, keep on rushing. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County.
Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforumc.org. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.